NBA draft analyst Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. Uh, we are talking about the NBA Finals. The Milwaukee Bucks have a 3-2 lead and a chance to win the series tonight, David. And I wanted to start the show by just discussing how the Phoenix Suns can bounce back. It seems like a lifetime ago that the Suns were up 2-0 in this series yeah. since then Milwaukee has won three straight and all of or I should say most of the trends starting to tilt their direction they've outscored Phoenix now by 1.4 points through five games doesn't sound like a lot but considering that they lost the first two games uh, that's meaningful uh, the Bucks are are getting 13.6 offensive rebounds per game they have an offensive rating of 177.3 seven or i'm sorry 117.7 that would have ranked number one uh by a mile during the regular season uh they're winning the points off turnovers they're winning second chance points they're winning fast break points they're winning the points in the paint um they're winning almost every uh meaningful category except the suns are still shooting 60.4 percent. they have a 64.4 percent true shooting percentage versus milwaukee's 56 percent they're, they're making 40.8% of their three-pointers versus 37.5% for Milwaukee. They're shooting the ball better, the Suns are. But Milwaukee is basically winning every other category. So I, I, I say all of this to, to ask you this, David. Can the Suns bounce back? How can they bounce back? No. And so the second question doesn't really matter, right? I, I, I think it's very easy to look at what Phoenix has done and and just kind of dismiss it as well their their style has changed and it kind of takes away from what Milwaukee has been able to do and and I I don't want to have that kind of conversation because the reality is Milwaukee has dictated the terms of the last three games of this series I mean my, my bucks and six prediction looking is looking pretty good right now so I, I feel confident with that one moving forward because I just think something has just switched there and maybe it's the way they've utilized Drew Holiday defensively to kind of take the pressure or put the pressure on Chris Paul and Paul clearly struggling to some degree in, in spurts here and there. He does not look like the same kind of fluid player, the same kind of game master that we've seen from, you know, seen him be throughout his whole career. He just, he looks off. And I think a lot of that has to do with Milwaukee's defense. And I think that's the problem for Phoenix is that they're no longer playing their game. And I think Suns fans are frustrated because this isn't the team that they've seen throughout the whole season. They, this isn't the team that they've seen in the playoffs bounce back and stick to their guns and and, and use their their you know their their offense as effectively as possible in order to win games. And now all of a sudden they're completely discombobulated. So a lot of that has to do with I mean all of it has to do with Milwaukee's defense. And so you look at what Phoenix can do. And to my point originally, to answer your question, why they can't bounce back is because I just. They're shooting as well as they are. They're doing so well offensively that what they need is some kind of ridiculous outlier performance from X player in order to give them just one kind of slight edge to 
combat Milwaukee's strengths defensively, Milwaukee's home crowd, the fact that Giannis is playing unbelievably well, that Middleton is stepping up in key moments, that they're getting good performances from all their role players. Something mystical almost has to happen in order for Phoenix to have a chance at victory, and that's why I just don't think it's very unlikely. Now, I mean, we can talk about that if you want to, but well, the yeah. reality is that I'm just not sure how what else Phoenix can do other than what they've done. And I mean, they've been pretty good. It's just not good enough. Yeah. No, you bring in a key point. And I do ultimately think that it's just Milwaukee having to play worse, which would be the mm-hmm. way that Phoenix wins a game. But I will say this. Um, the Suns are, are averaging 12.6 turnovers per game versus 9.8 turnovers per game from Milwaukee. You basically have to flip that, right? One of the Phoenix right. advantages was supposed to be the fact that they take care of the ball. And Milwaukee, they're not loosey-goosey with the ball, but they don't take care of the ball at an elite level like Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns had during yeah. the regular season and the postseason. They, right. they basically flipped that. And you're talking about all those things that the Bucks do well. And that is, to me, what stands out so much about this series right now, is that the Bucks have been able to get to their game and then sort of blow it up, right? Kind of put all the highlights on everything it is that they do well, and minimize the things that they don't do very well, right? Because mm-hmm. they're not they're they're not a great shooting team, and they're not shooting as well as Phoenix. But they're doing all they're using their size. They're getting out in transition. They're dictating the tempo. Uh, Giannis has been used as a screener better than he ever has been. Chris Middleton is hitting all these mid range shots more consistently and is having some of his best games of his career. Drew Holiday is doing all the things defensively that you traded essentially for first round picks to get from him, right? And so he's doing all these things and you're getting out of your three stars the best versions of them. Meanwhile, for Phoenix, Devin Booker has been fine, not great. Chris Paul has been just downright bad and I got some stats on that that I want to share in a moment. But uh, they, in the first couple of games, they were getting to their mid-range shots. They were getting clean looks. When And then as the game went on, Milwaukee would start to crash their defense and then they'd start spraying to shooters in, in the corner. And then that, and that's exactly what the Suns want to be doing. Right. Um, since that second game, Milwaukee has just ramped up the defense. They're, they're showing much harder on Chris Paul. They're getting into his airspace. I think you're seeing the fact that Chris Paul is six feet tall and not six foot seven, the way that Chris Middleton is really starting to have an impact on this series uh, because he just simply can't get his shots off, right? There's just a long limb in his face at all times, and it's tiring him out. Um, but so between that, they're still getting their mid-range shots, and they're still shooting a relatively high percentage. Chris Paul is still shooting like 54% overall. Like he's not shooting poorly. It's just that he is not what 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 the Suns do well. They are not doing better. Meanwhile, what Milwaukee does well, they are doing better in this series, and that's why they have a one-game lead and a chance to close it out tonight. Yeah, uh, and the mid-range shots, obviously, by design. I mean, the fact that they were held to just 19 three-point attempts in a pivotal game to save their season, right. 19 three-pointers. I mean, I mean, say what you will about whether that's their strength or not, but that's just... Yeah. It's like half as many as like most NBA teams shoot on any given basis. Like, I mean, Milwaukee, again, not a great three-point shooting team, 28 three-point attempts. Uh, you know, half of those is what they were able to convert, which is still pretty damn good, obviously. So I, I think just the fact that they have thrown something in there, and I don't know, I mean, I honestly don't know what Phoenix can do to unleash another part of their offense, because you're at this point of season now 
you're desperate. You need to win game six, obviously, in order to extend your season into a game seven and have any chance at a, a finals victory. But you're at that point where coaches will often tell you, we're here. We have to stick to what we do well. We have to be able to continue to play to our strengths. And yet Milwaukee has found a way to mitigate those strengths and, and just take them away from you know a good Phoenix team. And so I just don't know how they can inc- implement new well, wrinkles into their offense to get them better looks from the perimeter, just to stretch the floor a little bit. Because they're, again, they're, they're playing to what Milwaukee is giving them, which is not a recipe for victory. I mean, that, well, that they're, they're getting a little predictable. Of, They've definitely gotten yeah. predictable, right? And I yeah. think that there's that that is again surprising to me because the thing that made Phoenix so good is yeah we know they're gonna make they're, they're gonna run pick and roll after pick and roll but each of those pick and rolls was unpredictable right it was more read and react based on Chris Paul and his tremendous basketball IQ and and anticipation and things like that than just sort of these scripted plays and we just haven't seen a lot of it mixed up and again you have to give credit to Milwaukee they've been able to switch everything they've mixed up their matchups they've done a really good job mixing up matchups against Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Yep. And just figuring out ways uh, uh, to get their best defenders in position to be really good defenders. Look no further than, you know, the Drew Holiday steal and lob to Giannis. But um, I, I'll, I'll say this. They lost by four points in that game, right? It was a one-point game before Drew Holiday grabbed that ball away from Devin Booker. They had a chance to win that thing. They lost by uh, six points in the game before that. Uh, it's not like these have been blowouts. They've had opportunity. I think they got it to, as close to four in that in that uh, second to last game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I, I I'll go back to one of those stats that I pointed out. Milwaukee is winning points off of turnovers, second chance points, fast break points and points in the paint. You expect them to win the points in the paint. Yep. Uh, you probably expect them to win second chance points and and maybe even fast break points with how much they rely on points in transition. But I mean, Phoenix yeah. is the much better team in the half court. So you'd expect that to even out. The thing to me is you can't be getting beat in transition and on the re- and on the boards, right? And they're getting right. beat on both of those things. And so whether so the, so either you need to just say, you know what? Have the rebounding advantage. We're going to get back in transition or you know what? We're going to we're going to try to make to, to make to take away these second chance points. We figure you're probably going to score in transition anyway. We don't think you you don't shoot a higher percentage than us. So if we can, you know, limit your offensive rebounds, then we think we probably really have a, a good shot at not only evening the series, but also like, you know, getting those, those shot attempts per game uh, closer to even right now, Milwaukee has a huge advantage there. Like you got to pick one is what I'm saying. If you're the Suns, and it just feels like they haven't really made a, a decision, whether or not they want to try to even up things on the boards or get back in transition and limit what they're doing there. Is there youth showing a little bit? Phoenix's? Yeah. I think their age. And I, and I think the guy is Chris Paul to me. I mean, uh, but maybe, uh, I, I don't know. I, I honestly I, think I, that Monty Williams has been outcoached by Mike Budenholzer. And yes. I think it's the fact that Milwaukee has that third star and Phoenix doesn't. And that's putting more pressure on Chris Paul. And now you're starting to see diminishing returns. But let's put a pin on that. Uh, for now, because I do want to talk a little bit more about Chris Paul and Giannis next. But first, David, tell them about Rock Auto. Well, one thing that never gets old is a brand that's been there for 20 years, two decades, 
providing service online for auto parts customers. You can go to a store, you can get, you know, the opportunity to ask a lot of questions and hope that maybe they carry the part that you're looking for. Or you could just go to rockauto.com the same way people have for 20 years to find the parts that they need for their car or truck. You just use your easy to use website. It's easy to navigate a few clicks away. You order, you place it, you, you get it delivered directly and safely to your door in just a matter of days. It's so convenient and easy to use. Why would you go to a traditional chain storefront for any reason at all? And rockauto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to this section that says, how did you hear about us? And write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Back here with Locked On NBA. We're talking about these NBA finals. We want to talk about Chris Paul. And you asked me before we went to break there, David, are the Suns showing their age? And I don't know that Phoenix is overall. Devin Booker has actually been quite good. Yep. But Chris Paul in this series. But that's by design too, though, right? I mean, I don't want to cut you off here, but it kind of feels like they're just saying, like the, the numbers really show that Booker is is dominant obviously from a scoring perspective but it's taken away from their this aspect of their offense because they're just kind of again by design saying oh go 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 work iso possessions milk the clock down hold on to the ball for as long as you can and maybe you'll get that shot off over middleton or holiday or Connaughton or somebody else one of our defenders it doesn't matter because we're going to shut down everybody else and they've just stagnated Phoenix's offense that has been pretty solid all year round and it's become one dimensional now where they're just letting book get these points and then just limiting what everybody else can do and then when Paul to your point has a ball in his hands he looks older he looks like he's just not as effective he's turning the ball over in a way that we're not accustomed to seeing his shot isn't falling with the same kind of regularity he is limited because of his overall size against this incredibly tall front line here and so their their offense just has become Again, predictable, the word that you yeah. used. Uh, no, I think that's fair, right? Like, they're basically letting Devin Booker do his thing, and they're shutting down basically Phoenix's offense. And they're letting yep. the one guy who can ISO go ahead and ISO because I think there's also an understanding that ultimately you're not going to stop a guy like Devin Booker, right? It's not like they're not defending him. It's just that Devin Booker is a really good isolation scorer sure. and the best one that Phoenix has. Um, but he is also a series high plus 27, right? Phoenix has outscored the Bucs in, in these five games by 27 points when Devin Booker is on the floor. That's better than anybody on Milwaukee, better than obviously anybody on Phoenix. When Booker is off the floor, that Suns offense plummets. Uh, and, and I don't really know what they do. And, it, and it's almost worse when Chris Paul is on the floor because he's minus three in this series compared to all the other stars in this series. Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Devin Booker, they're all plus 20s, whatever it is. Chris Paul, the, the Suns have been worse when he's on the floor. That can't mm. be if you're Phoenix and trying to win this series. You just can't do it. And I, I think, like I said, the size is starting to show up. The Bucs mm. are swarming him every, every time he crosses the three-point line. They're swarming him with bodies and long limbs and all sorts of other things. And, and they've been applying full-court pressure too, right? I mean, yeah. they've just like made it more difficult for him to even bring the ball up court. And what's interesting is that you've got Chris Middleton – and Giannis doing what it is that they do on offense. And that's freed up Drew Holiday to basically defend Chris Paul. And you look on the other side of that, and Chris Paul still has to defend Drew Holiday or someone else. Devin Booker has to guard somebody. They're asking a lot from their, their biggest players 
on both ends of the floor where the Bucks aren't really like, first of all, Giannis is called the Greek freak for a reason. So he can handle it in a way that the guys that Devin Booker and Chris Middleton can't because he's just so ridiculous uh, uh, as a physical specimen. But Chris Middleton's also bigger than basically everybody, the, the two Phoenix stars. And like I said, Drew Holiday, like, yeah, I know he had a nice offensive game in game uh, five, but that was really the only good offensive game he's had the whole series. But otherwise, he's been awesome defensively. So, and he's freed up to do that. Meanwhile, Chris Paul, he's also supposed to be really good defensively, but the def- the, the the Phoenix's yeah. defensive rating with Chris Paul is 121.7. That's awful. Without Chris Paul, it's a 100.9. Now, granted, it's much more limited minutes, oftentimes second unit versus second unit, whatever. There's a lot of noise that goes into that. But that's a 21 point per 100 possession difference, David. That's it. That's I don't care about the sample size. That's huge, right? right? Like you can't be that bad. Your defensive rating can't be that bad when Chris Paul is playing. He's one of your best and smartest defenders. So you brought up a really good point earlier that if Phoenix has any kind of opportunity or any chance at victory, it's probably going to rely on Milwaukee getting worse. How can Phoenix get Milwaukee to play worse? Because I just don't see that their defenders can have any kind of impact. I mean, they probably played as well as they could in game five, and they still gave up you know, 90 points to a combination of Adetokounmpo, Middleton, and Holiday. And so what's the key here? Because I'm just not sure I see it. I don't know what Phoenix can do more effectively to force turnovers or to get Holiday or Middleton out of their comfort zone. Because, again, Adetokounmpo is probably going to get his points. How does that change? I mean, what can they do to change the way Milwaukee does things to get them out of their comfort zone? I don't think they can. Right. I don't think they can. Look, I think there's things that Phoenix can. It's like how Milwaukee got back in this series. They didn't scrap their game plan they didn't change their identity they just did what they they tweaked it yeah Yeah, they tweaked it and when they they just enhanced it right they did what it is that they do but better and more often right and phoenix needs to do the same thing do what it is that they do better and more often establish that mid-range game early like a running back in the nfl establish that mid-range game early and then start getting to shooters and you're just getting a a, you know a few more inches of space on those three-point shots they start to fall more you're getting those mid-range shots to fall more often defend and then if you could just Again, make a decision. Are you going to beat them on the? Are you going to even them up on the boards? Or are you going to try to limit them in in transition? And I think if they could do that, like again, like these weren't blowouts the last two games, right? Like it wouldn't be insane. The other thing too, and and the I don't think that Phoenix can make Milwaukee play worse. I just think that there's a world where Milwaukee makes themselves play worse. I mean, we have seen time and time again Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. The reason we don't consider them superstars, right? The reason that they're not two of the top 10 players in the NBA is that sometimes they just put up stinkers, right? Like sometimes Chris Middleton just disappears. Sometimes Drew Holiday can't get a bucket. And as good as he's been defensively and as good as Middleton has been this whole series on both ends, you know, if you told me that one of them was going to just have a clanker tonight, it wouldn't shock me, you know? Like I'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like a, a Chris Middleton, you know, four for 18 game seems very realistic to me as is the same thing with drew holiday like i wouldn't rule any of those out and if that happens and then chris paul one of the greatest players we've ever seen goes off and breaks out of whatever this slump is or whatever's going on that wouldn't shock me either and i guess that's just the way that phoenix evens up this series and sends it to seven but other than that like i don't know that there's a specific strategic thing that i can point to that phoenix just needs to do you know yeah i i mean Paul has to find like it's weird yeah. to talk about him in these terms, given that he is who he is. 
he needs to find a way to assert himself more in the fourth quarter. Like this is still one of the greatest players, despite the defensive presence of these taller players, you know, making him feel uncomfortable. He's got to be more of a factor because uh, otherwise they just don't have a chance at, at stealing a victory in Milwaukee. I mean, it, we can rely on one of those players that you mentioned for the Bucks, maybe having an off game. And that seems possible, but it's Chris Paul having to, be much more dominant in a clutch situation here. And I mean, your season's over if you lose on, on, on game six, obviously. And so you need to find a way to salvage that game in order to give yourself even a chance at stealing a game seven too. So I just, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that Paul can do it. Maybe it's injury. You know, the fact that he was, you know, he did test positively for COVID too. I mean, these are continuous issues that we're going to see play out over the next few years of people's careers here that even though these are young healthy players and even in his case slightly older maybe that has some kind of an impact that we can't quite measure just yet it's i'm, I'm curious to see what happens next season but you know for paul uh, he, he just he just needs to be the kind of dominant player that we saw we've seen in stretches throughout the playoffs where he can take over a game and throw milwaukee's defense off kilter just enough so that maybe you can have a big game from a crowd or, or an eight or somebody like that to step up where they haven't been able to over the last two games at the risk of having this conversation prematurely if the bucks close this thing out tonight where what do we do with Giannis? this is a two-time mvp won the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year last year, a very rare feat, right? Michael Jordan type of deal there, uh, who breaks through and wins his first championship. If that happens, what do we do with him as far as where he ranks among players in today's game and, I guess, just his legacy overall? It's it's interesting. Uh, I think there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Adetokounmpo, whether or not he's a deserving finals MVP. And, and I think you and I both fall in the same there that I think he's clearly the MVP of the series. Uh, and yet with the kind of individual accolades he's been able to rack up, I mean, there were legitimate concerns about the season and whether or not this team could continue to you know, fall short in the playoffs. And I think you and I both had those kind of expectations. A lot of people did about this Bucks team, uh, that they were been regular season, you know, paper lines, if you will. Uh, I just, I don't know. Uh, with with Kumpo, he's a phenomenal player. And yet somehow we keep coming back to the same thing, kind of minimizing what he do, what he does and taking away from the greatness that we're witnessing on a regular basis because maybe there's limitations in his game. It's not like any other player has been perfect, right? I mean, Jordan didn't shoot particularly well from the three-point line until they reduced the, the, the three-point line. I, I mean, we've seen players that struggle in key moments. And Adekumpo, maybe he doesn't shoot you know, 80% for the free-throw line, but he still changes the course of the game because of his ability to get to the free-throw line. So all these kind of weaknesses that we're trying to read into his game takes away from appreciating what he does so much better than almost anybody else on the floor. And, and so I think when you look at his current standing amongst NBA players, I mean, he's still a top five player. There's still an opportunity for him to win more championships beyond this season to win more individual awards. I, I think he was a deserving MVP candidate this past season as well. Everybody kind of seems to forget that, that, you know, while everybody thought of it as a two man race between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, that, Adetokounmpo <laughs> was right there as well. Yeah, uh, it's it's easy to dismiss him for some reason. We've kind of just done this throughout his whole career, but he's gone to this point. He's worked hard. He's developed his body. 
And that's held against him for some reason because he's this athletic freak of nature. But he's not just an athletic freak of nature. He's also put in the work to get here. He's a great success story by almost any way you define it. And somehow we're trying to take away from what he does well by finding weaknesses that every player in the NBA has had. Every great player has had a weakness to some extent. And I think his legacy is a strong one. I mean, to say he's a Hall of Fame player – (laughs) <laughs> that's you know beyond a shadow of a doubt uh i just where he ranks in today's players i mean top five player i mean and i think he's going to be like that for the rest of his career too i think that's fair right and there's going to be people say well make him annoy him number one in the nba and all that's i, I don't know if he's the best player in the league like i, I don't know uh, kevin Durant improved is yeah. pretty damn good lebron james still got a, a hold on that crown right like all that stuff and, and you know that's not even really the conversation that to me is very interesting to me uh, I think you're exactly right. He's be a, he'll be a top five player. And I think the way we think of Giannis is I have been so impressed by the quotes and the way that he's conducted himself during these playoffs and just how level-headed he is and that leadership style that he has. I mean, talking about like that quote about um, looking in the past is just your ego talking or something like that. Like that blew yeah. my mind. I mean, that is like str- – I know we call him the Greek freak, but we got to start calling him the Greek philosopher with these kinds of things. I mean, he he is so level-headed. He has got such a good perspective on it. And I think it has such an effect on his teammates that say, you know what? He the way he responds to his 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 weaknesses, right? The free throw stuff, the fact that people are counting down on his on his free throws at the line and all that stuff. And it just doesn't seem to phase him, right? He doesn't seem to be any better or worse at the line because of that. Um he sticks to his game and all these things. He's just got this stoic attitude about him. And I think his teammates feed on it. And it just reminds me so much of Tim Duncan, right? And I just think of Giannis and we compare him to Shaquille O'Neal on the floor and all mm-hmm. these players and all these. But to me, as far as a leader goes, a locker room guy, he's not rah-rah. He has no ego. He doesn't, it's not, but he does have a, a leadership quality about him. People want to follow him, right? And it just reminds me so much of Tim Duncan. And if that's what Milwaukee has here, if they have Tim Duncan, then they're going to be good as long as Giannis is there because that's what Tim Duncan did for San Antonio. And if that's what you have in Milwaukee, well, then you just won the lottery, right? Like, <laughs> And so we might be looking at his prime and he's going to keep playing like this for the next few years and we'll see what happens. But as far as his legacy is concerned, I just think that he's going to be this generation's Tim Duncan, basically. He's that 26. He's, yeah. He's 26. That's and unbelievable. He's going to be this... <laughs> This rock, right? This rock in that organization. By the way, signed an extension earlier in the year. Milwaukee really won that whole deal. Um, all right, let's move on to some Team USA conversation. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about Bet Online. Well, I mean, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Why would you go anywhere else? Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all that action over at Bet Online. You get the latest news, the odds, the info that you need for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NHL, UFC, MMA action, so many other sports, WNBA, of course. Before the next pitch, you head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and you check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. This is your opportunity. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the game as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Ben Online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Before we get out of here, let's talk about Team USA. Zach Levine on Monday joined Bradley Beal as players who could not travel with the American team to Tokyo, Levine hopes to join the team at some point after his protocol, but uh, he had 
started the last two exhibitions, played well in those exhibitions, David. What do you make of yet another player potentially lost to health and safety protocols? Yeah, I mean, I can't. I, look, you know, shout out to Bam Adebayo, something I mentioned on, on Locked on Heat podcast, because he, he, he spoke to media the day that Beal's uh, diagnosis or entering health and safety protocols became public knowledge. And, you know, everybody asked Bam, oh, who, who should we get to replace Beal? Mm-hmm. And he's like, he reminds us, he says, you know what, a man has COVID. Let's focus on that first and foremost. So I, I think you hope that Levine is healthy. You hope that Beal is healthy. But I, and there are legitimate concerns here. I mean, the Olympics seems like we're hearing, even just on the American side, a player drop out here, a coach drop out there, somebody on a on a backup team test positive. And, and we're going to see more of this. Like there was a, a miniature outbreak in the Olympic Village. And when you have these many people in this limited space, things are going to happen. That's just the nature of athletics and, and just the nature of this particular disease. And so it's frightening to think, for for you know just like on a global scale how much this is continuing to impact our lives something that people seem much too willing to forget Uh, if you want to reduce it to just basketball from a team usa perspective like this is a team that's struggling mightily because they have no kind of consistency because although they have superior talent and athletic ability by and large uh the reality is also that it's not a very cohesive group and we keep seeing you know some players struggle i I think i want to say kevin durant mentioned how or no it may have been draymond I'm not sure exactly who it was, but I think it was Draymond, actually. He says that, you know, when the team first got together, people didn't know when to shoot, when to pass, and then eventually kind of figure it out because, of course, talent trumps everything. But it just, it's not enough, right? This isn't as dominant a team as it was. This isn't 1992 anymore. You can't just go in there and punch the, you know, the Nigerian team in the face. They're going to punch back and, and punch back pretty effectively. And so when you look at Beal dropping out, the fact that you have to replace Kevin Love with Keldon Johnson and maybe... Maybe, you know, or JaVale McGee, the fact that, you know, Love wasn't having much of an impact anyway is one thing, but Beal was being relied on as your your clutch scorer because he's a guy who can get to the hoop, who can hit that mid-range shot, who can hit the three-pointer, obviously. And now all of a sudden you're missing even more offense with Levine too. It's just for a team that struggles with consistency, having players continue to drop in and off the roster isn't going to help them any. And while Levine expects to be able to travel to Tokyo, who knows what happens there? I mean, an injury, a diagnosis while you're in Japan, and next thing you know, your chances at meddling uh, are a lot less likely. Or he doesn't feel good after COVID, and he's like, you know sure. what? I just don't, I don't, I don't have it to fly out all the way to Japan and and, and do this thing. Um, they're expecting Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Devin Booker to be a part of this. You ask the players, you ask the coaches. They still have not heard anything that either of those people are not committed, right, to playing for Team USA, but. Let's say Milwaukee wins tonight. I don't know if you're Chris Milton and Drew Holiday, if you're like, all right, let's go play more basketball. Or if maybe you're like, you know what? I feel like celebrating with my family and, and going on vacation, uh, a much earned vacation. Right. Or if you're right. Devin Booker, what? I don't know. Like, are you are you exhausted by the end of this run? Right. Because none of those other players had to do this kind of run. Right. A lot of them had playoff runs, but not this long. They're not in the finals. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think the lack of consistency is an issue. And is the and if you think about the problems with this team, it's not a lack of talent. Even without Bradley Beal or Zach Levine, they are plenty talented. Sure. They're still the most talented team in the in the games. The problem is a lack of consistency, and all of this is hurting that, not helping. Um, let's talk about Damian Lillard a little bit, who on Friday said that uh, a true hoop report that he will request a trade from Portland wasn't true. See what I did there? Uh, that he hasn't made a decision about his future uh, now, we've talked about Lillard before and some of the trades that could be out there. And and you can believe whatever it is, 
that's out there. But I think that Damian Lillard has been a genius in the way that he's handled this. And let me just say this first. This is my pure speculation, David, complete speculation. But I believe the true hoop report. I don't think that Henry Abbott, who runs that site and does a really good job with it, just he is not a clickbait guy, right? Like, in fact, he is in the reason he started true hoop was to actively get away from all of that. Uh, I don't think he would just have reported that if he weren't 100 percent true, uh, uh, believe that it was true. And then Chris Haynes was the first person with the report. And nobody is more plugged into Damian Lillard than Chris Haynes. In fact, everybody thinks that that came straight from Damian Lillard. And yet Lillard is out here saying, hey, I didn't say anybody, anything to anybody. And you should listen to what it is that I say. And I'm telling you out here in front of the media on these Zoom calls that I haven't made any decision based on my future. Now, here's the thing, David. Yep. And in any other circumstance, there would be no decision on your future because you had ostensibly made that decision a year ago when you signed an extension. Like what decision are you talking about? So what that says to me is that this team is obviously at a crossroads and all Damian Lillard and and so is Damian Lillard. And all he will say publicly is that he wants Neil Olshey and that organization to act with much more urgency than they've shown in the past in order to put a championship team around him. So what I am seeing here is that he is denying these reports saying, I have not yet made a decision, even though none of these reports have said, by the way, that he's made a decision. It's that a decision is incoming and that decision will likely be him requesting a trade. What he is doing right. is he's putting the onus on Portland saying, hey, man, and, and and protecting himself in front of the fans. He's telling the fans, don't believe this fake news, man. Just believe what I'm saying. And all the Portland fans could rally around Damian Lillard and say, yeah, that's our guy. But in that, in that same breath, he's putting the onus on the Trailblazers as an organization and as a front office to say, but put the team around me. So he is setting himself up here for when the draft, when the draft is over, a draft in which Portland does not have a first round pick or a pick at all, I believe. Mm-hmm. And free agency is over, a free agency in which Portland does not have any meaningful cap space and is right. extremely limited to what it is that they can do. That if they have not miraculously and I use that word specifically because that's what it's going to take, put a contender around Damian Lillard, then he can turn around and be like, all that urgency that I was talking about, you didn't show any of it. And now I'm out of here. I demand a trade. And it's going to look, and it, the timing probably won't be before the draft or during free agency. It'll be after it's all said and done. And it'll be much more like the timing of James Harden's deal with hmm. leaving Houston to Brooklyn, but not look like James Harden, right? He is not going to embarrass himself the way that James Harden did showing up to strip clubs, getting COVID, all that stuff. It's not going to look the way that Harden did it. It's going to look the way very, it's going to look how Damian Lillard does things right with that, that pride that he talks about. He's going to, and that's why I think he's such a genius just from a PR perspective. He has nailed this. And I think we all know exactly what, which way it's going. Yeah. I haven't seen any kind of backlash from blazers fans at lillard like i don't think anybody could hold it against him like they'd want him to they want him to play there eternally but i think they can also sense his frustration especially when we hear reports from really bizarre behavior from the team owner that old shay himself has screwed the pooch on countless occasions that he screwed the pooch with the hiring of chauncey billups and i I think we even talked about that the day that you know the, the billups hiring was made finalized i think we talked about you know, the fact that Lillard already started setting himself a little bit as like, well, hey, that wasn't my decision. I didn't have anything to do with it. I gave names that I thought would be great. I didn't know about the allegations from Billups's past. And then we get this report weeks later 
that while Olshay said, oh, no, we did our due diligence, we investigated, and then apparently the investigation was not as thorough as everybody or as he was proclaiming that was. So I think like the front office has not done themselves any favors. And I think Lillard is doing a masterful job, to your point, of turning the fan base against that front office, setting himself up to be more more of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking at, a martyr here where he could just mm-hmm. be taken off the team. Like he, he's, you know, this, they're doing this for Lillard's sake, you know, what that, like completely uh, oppositional from what we saw last year from Harden where he forced his way out. And a lot of Rockets fans were unhappy to some degree because of it. But the reality is I think Lillard's going to be beloved in Portland. He's not going to play there beyond this year, I think. I mean, we we can place a wager on whether or not – go to bet online and place a wager on how long Lillard will be in Portland. But I think you're right that he's probably going to try and force something. He can even use the Olympics. If he gets a taste – for winning in the Olympics. Let's say they do something crazy and they actually manage to win a gold medal. He says, well, now I know what it's like to win at the highest level and I want that opportunity. And of course, this is will be after Portland's offseason falls predictably flat. Then he can use that even as further leverage to say, I need to go somewhere that can get me an opportunity to win now because I'm at that stage in my career, et cetera, et cetera. All the same cliches that we've heard that we've heard before and that are you know, really applicable in a, in a player of Lillard's greatness and, and you know, with his own career arc and everything else. And, and so... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think yeah. it's likely, and he's done a fantastic job. Um, Damon, you mentioned Bet Online there. Uh, Bet Online has the following teams uh, for Damian Lillard's most likely landing spot: the Knicks eight to five odds, 76ers nine to four odds, the Warriors four to one odds, the Heat mm-hmm. seven to one odds, and then the Clippers and the Lakers both at fifteen to two odds. Mavericks, Celtics, Raptors uh, round out the top there. Uh, so we'll see exactly, but uh, yeah, he's played this perfectly. And I think ultimately he's going to get what it is that he wants. Um, that'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on NBA wherever you listen to podcasts for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. We will be back here next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find me over at Locked on Warriors, David over at Locked on Heat. And now listen to the ultimate mock draft 2021 podcast presented by Locked on and Odyssey featuring the analysis from the GOAT of NBA mock drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough, our locked-on NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get pod, uh, your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all of the sports, podcast, music, and news that matters to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. That's it for us. Enjoy your day. Thanks for listening.